Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman Podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Eve Levy, and I am going to be so bold to grab the microphone and record a solo episode because I'm feeling really pumped right now. I just came back from a fabulous two-day women's retreat, and I was one of the keynote speakers, and I opened the retreat and closed the retreat, and some serious magic or transformation. I don't know what you want to call it. It happened. And I'm still trying to process exactly what happened. And I have a lot of thoughts. I've done a lot of women's retreats and work with women, but I keep saying again and again, when you make space for God to come in and literally just make space, bring all your good intentions. You just bring all of you and then you just let it happen, amazing things could happen. So I'm going to share a little bit about what I opened with. The topic was authenticity. And this is a journey. It's been a path. It's been a road that I've taken many years already, this road to authenticity. And I'd like to share parts of my journey with you. So when I started at this conference, at this retreat, before I even opened my mouth, I jumped onto a chair (laughs) and hung up a hook on the door. And I started by saying that if anyone has any judgments or I don't know, negativity or strong opinions that are not helpful or just unkind thoughts and perspectives, I encouraged everyone to, you know, symbolically just hang them up on the hook and just be present and create a space of unconditional love and acceptance for people to really show up and be real. And I just prefaced it by saying that everyone is going through a struggle that no one knows about. And everyone is fighting a battle internally that is so hard. And in order to really, really make some progress in our own worlds and in our communities, we need to get real with one another. And we started like that. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my journey to authenticity. I'm still on this journey. I don't know if you're ever, ever quite there. When you hear the word authenticity, there are probably a lot of words that come to mind. It became a buzzword when Brene Brown started speaking about it and Oprah Winfrey. I mean, there's so many quotes out there. Oprah says vulnerability and authenticity is being able to express your truth no matter what, being able to open up your soul and let it flow so others can see their souls in yours. Love that. Brene Brown, one of her famous quotes is, authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be, to be and embrace who we actually are. So some other words that come up when you think authenticity, we think truth, we think no pretensions, we think about standing up for what you believe in and speaking your truth as it seems to you, like even if it's not what other people want to hear, or even if it's not the popular thing, that's authentic, right? And authentic people tend to be accepting of themselves and of others around them. So authenticity and integrity really do go hand in hand. And wouldn't that be so nice to embrace who you actually truly are? And as Oprah says, to stop with the disease to please. We ended this first session 
with an exercise where I had everyone think of what mask they wear out there in the world to protect ourselves, right? We have lots of coping mechanisms, how we protect ourselves. It's a harsh world out there. So I had everyone think about the mask that they cover their true selves with. And I gave some ideas. Majority of the room of Jewish women, I think a lot of them wrote people pleaser. That's not who they really are or how they really feel. But because they are a people pleaser, that's their mask. Like everything is good. And of course, I'll do it to you. You know, there's the cool girl mask or there's the perfectionist mask. There's lots of masks out there. One of them wrote a hero mask. We had 80 women in the room and many of the masks we all share, but there were some really creative masks out there. And just to know and to acknowledge that we have a mask, we have something that we like to hide behind because we're afraid to bring our fullest, truest self to the world. What are we so afraid of? Why is it so difficult to live your truth out loud and be your truest, realest self? And the answer is, as human beings, we're wired for connection. And think about how human beings are born crying, waiting for someone to hold them and feed them and cuddle them. Animals, it's not like that, right? They could go off and they could hunt on their own. They could survive. But a human being, probably the need that's highest is connection. And we're afraid that if we're going to be judged, people are not going to want to connect with us. And this is really real. And we need to get past it because it's holding us back. So God's signature in this world is emet, truth, right? We have the Aleph, the first letter of the alphabet. The Mem is the middle letter and the Taf is the last letter, the Aleph bet from Aleph to Taf. It's truth, beginning, middle and end. And that is God's signature. And we are supposed to emulate God. We are literally supposed to emulate him. That is our highest goal in this world as human beings, as godly beings, as people that lead with their soul to emulate God. And God is truthful. So we have to get on this journey. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my journey to authenticity. It started a while ago, but I think it's always been something that I've been striving for and struggling with. So I got married really young. I was 20 years old. I was so idealistic, but I basically woke up one day and I found myself a young Rabbitson, a mother, a community leader. I was working in a school. I was an influencer in front of so many young women. And it just happened. There were parts of it that I loved. And there were parts of it that just didn't feel real. I remember looking in the mirror and saying, who are you? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> like everything is so perfect on the outside. And I had to hold that up. I mean, it was so important to hold up that image because in my experience, every Rebbitson that had ever impacted me totally held it all together so beautifully. You work full time, you have a whole bunch of kids, you have a thriving marriage, you do so much for the community, you give, 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 give. Oh, and you have to look so good while you're doing it all. And that's all that I saw. And then all of a sudden I wake up one day and I almost felt like a fraud. Like no one ever told me that life is so messy. And I almost felt mad at my parents for protecting me so much. Like how come I didn't know that marriage was going to be such a struggle and so much hard work? And how come no one told me that having children is going to be the most humbling experience of my life? Literally, there is nothing that can make you more unsure of yourself than having a teenager. Okay. Literally a little roll of the eye and you're running for the hilltops, like going to change your clothes because you feel like you totally blew it. And you're the most uncool person in the whole entire world. So I just felt like, wow, I'm holding it up on the outside and inside. 
I don't know. It's just not feeling like in sync. I can't do it all. I can't stay inspired and inspire others. Oh, and self-care, of course. It was too much. I felt like I was in survival mode, like all the time. I'll give you a funny example. When I was living in Israel for my decade plus, we used to have once a week, a girl come over to our house and do quote unquote chesed, kindness. She'll help me like fold my laundry and schmooze with me and chat with me. And I'll give her some home-baked fresh cookies and take my kids to the park so I could go shopping or go to the grocery store. It was amazing to have chesed girls. I loved it, loved it. But you should just know before they came to my house, I would have to clean up the entire house. I wouldn't want one of these young girls to walk in and see a mess that just wouldn't do. It became an exhausting thing to have a chesed girl. And that was the whole opposite of what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to help me. There just came this, it was almost like a breakdown. I had this moment that was almost like a breakdown, but I think it was actually my breakthrough when I realized that I am not serving anybody by holding this up. I'm actually doing a disservice to myself and to all the people around me. I was creating this false picture of perfection and it's impossible to aspire to something that is so out of reach. I was becoming so unrelatable in this quest for perfection that I just knew I need to get real. So it kind of came a couple of years ago. I remember the day it was weeks before the high holidays. I think I was living in Portland at the time when I just realized enough is enough, Eve. You have to get real. You really want to help people. You need to figure things out. You can't do this anymore. And I remember going to my boss at the time. Actually, he was my colleague. And I said, I think I need a few days off, which is really the worst time you could take time off in a Jewish organization. Like, you know, it's tax season for, for Jewish outreach professionals. And we had programming and we were building things and it was really, really a crazy time. And I said, I just need a reboot. I need to figure things out. I need to see who I am. He didn't want me to leave. So he said, Eve, you know who you are. You're doing great. Keep going. It's all good. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I thought I knew who I was, but now I'm not so sure. I really, I need to reclaim something within myself. And off I went, I flew out, I went to some spiritual woman's thing. Honestly, like looking back, I don't even know if I needed to spend $800 on an airfare. I probably just needed a good walk in the forest by myself. (laughs) That's all the doctor called for. That's probably all I needed. But I just needed to really think and to be real with myself and to realize that something needed to change. And honestly, that was a turning point for me. And things did start to change after that. I could tell you a couple instances. One was I was giving a class to a group of married women and I was there with colleagues of mine, other Rebbitsons, and we were doing a panel and I was, I just got real. It got real. And I spoke about having real conflict with our spouse. And I used the term when you fight with your husband and afterwards, my co-Rebbitson, she really reprimanded me. She said, Eve, how could you say that to this group of ladies? And I looked at her and I said, what, what do you mean? And she said, how could you say like you fight? Like, how could you let that on to these ladies? I said to her, we're privy as Rebbitsons, as community people. We knew that the women in front of us, some of them were really struggling. And I, I just said like, I actually really want to help them. And I'm ready to get real, even if it means putting myself down a little bit in their eyes. That was, I think, turning point one when I realized, oh, this isn't really done so often to get so real and to be so open. But I really, really knew that if I wanted to make a difference in these people's lives, in the people that I'm putting so much of my life and time and energy into, 
I want to do it in a way that will really, really create change. There was another experience over my decade plus where a woman came to my door one night and she just broke down in tears. This woman had been on quite the journey and she was trying as hard as I was all those years to uphold this picture of perfection and be someone that she was not. Honestly, she is such a colorful person. She's just so different. And I think that is actually her strength. She was trying to fit herself into a mold and that wasn't her. And it was killing her. And I remember actually like she was waiting for me to give her permission to just be her. And I did. And then her whole life changed. Like it was just watching this, this flower bloom, like just bloom in such beautiful technicolor after that was incredible. So all of these experiences have kind of showed me that I'm on the right path to really helping people and helping people see that Hashem made us all with our own unique light to bring to this world. And our time here is limited. Honestly, we have lots to do and very little time. And it's a waste to spend our lives trying to be someone that we're not. That's a little bit of my journey. It really, it's still going. I want to share some of the beautiful Judaism that we know about authenticity. So our face, in Hebrew, a face, the Hebrew word is panim. Those letters spell another word, panim, is your inside. And a blessing or a compliment that I'll give often to a beautiful woman that I know well, I'll say you're so beautiful on the outside, but even more beautiful on the inside, right? And we know that the face, the panim, which shows the panim, the inside, the essence of a person, the portal to the soul is actually the eyes. So we actually see like, this is the place where the body and the soul meet and what's inside and outside have to match. It has to be similar. That's true beauty. So an example is the pig to go there, the pig, the trafest animal in the world, right? The, the most unkosher animal that you could ever eat, the pig. It presents to the world as a kosher animal. It has split hooves, but on the inside, it's not chewing its cud. So on the outside, it might look like a kosher animal, but it's actually a hypocrite. And that is trafe, like something that is not okay in our books because what's outside and inside have to match up. It's very, very sad. It's a sad existence when you're living a false inside world and you're showing and portraying some way on the outside. You know, this podcast is going to air right before Purim. And one of the beautiful customs about Purim is that we dress up, we wear costumes. And there's a lot of deep, mystical, beautiful understandings and teachings about this. But one of my favorites is that the word for clothing in Hebrew is beged or bigadim, plural clothing. But a beged spells out the word boged, which is a traitor. That sometimes our clothing, our outer exterior, whatever we put out on the outside, it really betrays what's really inside. You can't really tell who a person is by their appearance. It doesn't work like that. It's more the inside. It's the kindness. It's the good heart that is more telling about who a person is. You know, you could dress up, you could wear Gucci and Armani, but what does that even say about who you really are? It doesn't mean anything. It's something that you put on yourself. Big deal. I'm not impressed with it. I want to see qualities. I want to see the soul shining strongly. That's what's important. When the outside and the inside are beautiful and in sync with each other. One example that I could think of, I had this incredible couple come to our house for Shabbat. They had 
left Judaism. They had gone so far away from Judaism. They didn't even want to give their son a brit milah circumcision. They just wanted nothing to do with Judaism. It took a long time of us bringing them challahs and giving them phone calls and sending them a text message and just loving on them just because they're our fellow Jew. And they realized the Levies have no agenda. Like we just want to love our fellow Jew and we don't expect anything back in return. And finally, finally, they came to our house for Shabbat. They used to do Shabbat and it was particularly a crazy week. My kids were overtired. They were fighting. The house was a mess. It was very real. Okay, talk about authenticity. What you see is what you get. It was not the perfect, like everything is amazing experience. Not at all. And we were just doing our thing, right? Making Kiddush. We bless our children after Kiddush. And I look over and I see this man and he has tears streaming down his cheeks. I just took a moment. I just wanted to give him the biggest hug because what I saw was his soul. He was tapping into his soul. It must have been bringing back memories. His soul was on fire. On the outside, you know, he didn't give off that impression, (laughs) to put it mildly, right? He was so not interested. But on the inside, he was. And it was so beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And honestly, if the soul could still be on fire, I don't even care what the outside looks like. That is a Jew. That is someone that's connected. That is someone that is more connected than most of us. In fact, I remember meeting with our rabbi in Israel, Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, years ago. We were talking about our generation and we were talking about how numb we have become because we're so afraid of feeling anything because there's so much pain that we numb ourselves and we don't even feel joy. We don't feel anything. And we were talking about how to change the future of the Jewish people. And he said, before even teaching someone Aleph Bet, before even starting anywhere, first you need to put a beating heart inside of somebody. And that's where you have to begin. It's not with all the, the beautiful content and the wisdom of the Torah. It's just being real. That's where you need to start. Make sure that their heart is beating, 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 that they're alive inside and not completely numb. Okay, so authenticity. Let me give you one more example because this is a powerful one. The Aaron, the Ark in the temple, in the tabernacle that housed the Luchot that were given to Moses by God. So we know that they were gold on the outside. There was a wooden box in the inside. And then there was an inner box made out of gold, pure gold. And it's beautiful. There's so many teachings about this that the outside and the inside have to match, which is exactly what I'm telling you. But then there's a question, well, why not just make it pure gold? Like why the wood? I mean, it's probably much harder to make three boxes to fit inside each other. Make one box. And our teachings say that maybe because it was too heavy, if it was all pure gold, it would be too heavy for the people that would hold it. So that's a nice interpretation. Like don't make your, your stuff so heavy that it hurts someone else. Be sensitive. But my youngest son says, but mommy, wasn't it a miraculous vessel and it actually carried itself and it miraculously covered the people that carried it. So that doesn't work. So my mentor, Aliza Bulo, she says that the wood in the middle actually symbolizes growth. And we human beings are like that wood. We're always growing. And this is a famous quote. I quote Pamela Kleeman a lot. You're either green and growing or brown and dying. And there's nothing in between because we're never going to be fully, fully authentic. We're never going to be there a hundred percent, maybe at 120, if we work really hard at the ends of our life. But I think the symbolism of the wood is that we want to get there. We're in process. We're in progress. This growing that we're striving for, it's our whole life's work to be straightforward. Yashar and Tamim is pure. And here's another phrase, Toho Kibaro, that what's outside and inside match. And the wood symbolizes that, that there's growth involved. 
can't just get there without the struggles and conflicts and mistakes. And by the way, we don't whitewash anything. All of the forefathers and foremothers, all of them went through so much. None of them are perfect. We see that and we could learn from their mistakes and we could be real. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall down. You know, a righteous person is not someone that's perfect. It's someone that actually gets up again and again and again, and brushes himself off and starts again. That's a righteous person. So I'll tell you what I did in my journey. And this was the scariest thing that I've done in my life. I got real. How did I do that? I have a lot of women in my life. I lived in Canada, Israel, Denver, Portland, and now I live in Chicago. I've been blessed to be surrounded by circles and circles of women, the most incredible women. If you're one of my friends out there that's listening to this, just know that every single one of you is a jewel and a gem and someone that has taught me tremendously about life and about myself. I literally see everyone as a mirror and a gem. So I have all these women and here I am going through life silently. But it was very lonely. I remember when I was a young mom having miscarriage after miscarriage, silently suffering alone. I didn't know that other women went through this. I didn't know that other people were struggling with their marriages. I didn't know that people were struggling with raising their children. I didn't know women, Jewish women, Orthodox women like me were struggling with things like some of the mitzvot, like going to mikvah every month or upholding the tradition of covering our hair all the time. Like no one talks about it because everything is perfect, right? It's like the Lego song, like everything is awesome, right? It's so perfect that we can't talk about the hardships, but I started writing about it. And I remember this experience of sitting in a waiting room in a hospital by myself two years ago, because it was during the beginning of COVID. I couldn't bring anyone with me. And I'm waiting to go in to get a biopsy done because I had some concerning breast situation. And I'm all alone. And I have not told a soul about this because I don't want people to know. I mean, that felt so scary but I started writing and I started writing some of my feelings and I realized I could probably share this with my women. Maybe it'll help someone else. And I remember sending it out to all my women. And as I sent it out and I'm sitting there in the waiting room, crying by myself, crying into my mask, so alone, I got a message. It was from someone in Australia. And she said, I just read your words. I'm sitting in a waiting room right now. And I'm waiting also. And there was another message. I can't remember where all of them were coming from, but from New York, I was in Portland. I got out of the country. I think three messages came in within that five minutes saying, I just read your words. I'm actually booking myself in. I'm going in also. I also just got concerning results. And all of a sudden I realized we don't have to do this on our own. I don't know if we can do it on our own, but why, why would we do this alone? Why shouldn't we support each other and be real? And all of a sudden, I felt this community of women that went all the way back, honestly, to Sarah, the matriarch, all the way, my mother, my grandmother, all of us had been here before. We've been here before. We've done these hard things and we probably suffered it alone. And I realized I need to be a little different and I need to put myself out there. And it might be a little embarrassing at times, but I'm going to do it not for myself. It's helpful for myself, but for everyone else that is suffering. And I said to myself, if one person will be helped, it'll be worth it. And pressing send on an article that's going to be published to millions of people like H.com, for example, has over a million readers a year. And I've published on marriage, on therapy, on sexuality, struggles of covering my hair. I wrote an article when my husband got really sick with Bell's palsy. I wrote about my concerning mammogram and it got a lot of feedback. Okay. Some of it was harsh. There were a few individuals that said, Eve, I don't think you should have done that. I don't think you should share so publicly. It's not becoming of you. 
And I was able to take that with a grain of salt because not everyone is comfortable. I'm not telling everyone to do it, but I was comfortable with it. I had done a lot of work on myself and all I wanted to do was to help another woman. And every time I would press send, I would pray, Hashem, please, God, put this in the right hands. Let someone be inspired by it. Let it help just one person. It'll be worth it. And you should just know there are plenty of writings that I've put out there to the world on different publications that I've done anonymously because I'm not going to share someone else's story. I've done a lot of work and not oversharing, sharing what I could and what is resolved and not oversharing and making the world or my circle of friends, my therapy session. So I've done a lot of that work. I have done it and it's not easy and it's scary and it's amazing to bring your truth to the world. It's amazing to give people permission. I needed permission and I know that other people need permission as well. So when we open the Torah, there's lots of great examples. One of my favorites is the story of the daughters of Tzlafchad. Now, when I asked in this big room of, of 80, there were 80 women at this women's retreat when I was teaching this last week, I said, who knows the story of the daughters of Tzlafchad? Very few hands went up. So I actually brought the Chumash with me. I could read you a few of the lines. It's in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, Parshat Pinchas. It's the daughters of Tzlafchad, these five girls. What are their names? Machla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirza. And they go and stand before Moses and before the high priest, Alazar, and before all the leaders of the entire assembly at the entrance of the Ohel Moe, the tent of meeting. And they have a problem, an issue that's burning on them. And they need to speak their truth. They want to gain a portion in the land of Israel. Their father died in the wilderness and none of them had married. He had no sons. And they say, why should the name of our father be omitted from among his family? Because he had no sons. Give us a possession among our father's brothers. And Moses brings this claim to God. Now, we know that Moses actually turned them down numerous times. He says, nope, never been done before. Sorry, next. And they're like, but wait, we actually did research this. We know what we're talking about. They were such incredibly strong passionate women. They were incredible. Some of my biggest role models in the Chumash, they were timely. They trusted their intuition. They trusted their in their knowledge. They knew their stuff even more than Moses. Okay. And they trusted in God and they kept coming back. Just like you may have heard that someone that wants to convert to Judaism might be turned away maybe two or three times. So it's similar here. It's someone that really wants it really, really wants it, that they'll jump through hoops of fires. That's what these girls did. They were shy. They were not the type to stand in front of the entire congregation of Israel and speak their peace and go against Moses. But God actually considers them to be righteous. There's a lot here in front of me. I'm holding the Chumash. So this is the Rashi. The daughters of Tzlafchad speak properly. The sages say that there is the highest praise for these five ladies. God said that their holy intuition saw what Moses himself could not see, that they were entitled to their father's portion. Praiseworthy is the person with whom God concurs. That is Rashi. That's only one. There are many beautiful commentaries here that they were a vehicle for the revelation of God's word in this world. The compassion of the omnipresent is not comparable to the compassion of human beings. A human being might have more compassion for males, but he, God, whose word brought the world into being, 
being is different. His compassion is for both male and female. His compassion is for all. This is powerful stuff, guys. I'm serious. And here they are right before entering the land of Israel. The men at this time are looking back towards Egypt saying, why did we come here? Let's go back to Egypt. And these women are looking forward. They had the vision. They had the vision. They were ready to stand up for what they believed in. By the way, this was not an easy thing to do. They were all over 40 years old. None of them were married. If they were to have married, they would not have been able to inherit any piece of their father's inheritance. So they stayed single, which was not done. They sacrificed so much to do what was right for them. This is an exercise. This is an example of truth, of standing in your integrity, even when it's not popular, even when it's so much easier just to go with the flow. It would have been so much easier for them to just be like everyone else, just keep going like everyone else. But they change things forevermore for the Jewish people. They changed the law. It's amazing. Last week in Chicago, I, I was driving to pick up my kids from school. And as I'm at the corner of the school, it's a very ultra Orthodox Jewish neighborhood and a very ultra religious Muslim neighborhood. People are really dressed from head to toe. And I get to that light and the billboard on the bus stop was a woman in a bra and underwear. It was an ad for a lingerie company and my heart sank, but what can I do? You drive on, what are you going to do? You're going to make change? Come on, who, who am I? I don't even, I don't even know anyone in Chicago. I'm new here, but I, I think most people just drove on. The next day I'm meeting with a friend. Her name is Eliza Polstein. She tells me that her husband picked up the phone, made a phone call and they apologized. They took it down that same day. Seriously, if you see something, no one else is going to say something. You have to say something, right? That's what Judaism teaches us. If you have a truth and something is bothering you, do it. Say it. Don't hide it quietly. Live your truth. Such an amazing experience to see that he said something. And not only did they take it down, the lady in charge of the marketing and all the billboards, she gave her personal cell number to this man and said, if you ever have another problem in your community, call me directly. It was unbelievable. What a lesson to us. Another great example, Sarah Schneerer, one of my ultimate role models in the Jewish world, was a woman that went through so many hardships and obstacles to bring her truth to the world. And her truth was that Jewish women need to be educated Jewishly. Jewish girls never had formal Jewish education. And she changed the Jewish world forevermore. And it was so hard. When she was speaking her piece, people were trying to bring her down. People were saying, it's never been done before. It's ridiculous. It's never going to happen. She had big people tearing her down. And she stood in her integrity. And I don't know if the Jewish world would look the way it looks without her speaking her piece. And I don't think it was easy for her, but I'm so grateful to her. She started the Beis Yaakov movement last year in June. We went to my daughter's graduation and I stood there just in awe that we, first of all, graduated our first child through this insane, you know, experience. Like our first, our first one to graduate was enough to put me in awe. But I was also in awe that this woman, Sarah Schneer, started this movement. And now I have a daughter that graduated from this base Yaakov system. And what a beautiful system it is of educating girls to be strong Jewish women. So incredible. So these are the women that I look up to. They're strong. They might be a little different, but their strength is a resource that we cannot afford to lose. We can't afford to play small now. If you think of the history of the Jewish people, we're coming up to 6,000 years. And actually, when we get to 6,000, I think things are predicted in, in our 
prophecies to change drastically. Like we have 6,000 years and we are now at the last step, almost like those daughters of Tzlafchad that were at the 42nd step of the journey from Egypt to Israel. We are now standing at the last step of our journey, our exile. We're so close to the end, whatever that means and whatever that will look like. We believe that, so to speak, here the footsteps of the Messiah, so close. There's change. It's not going to be like this forever, guys. Hold on to your faith and hold on to your hope because better times are coming for our people and for the world. There's going to be a fruition. There's a Jewish destiny that's going to happen within the next 200 years. That's it. We're almost there at 6,000. We're so, so close. What I'm going to end with is I'm begging you to not waste your time trying to be someone that you're not. We need you in all of your craziness and all of your color and all of your talent and all of your loudness. If anyone ever told you to simmer down or to calm down, I've been told that my entire life. It's the worst thing you could tell me. Don't tell someone that's excited about something to calm down, by the way. But we all have a very important, significant piece to play. And when we go up to heaven at the end of our lives, they're not going to ask you, why weren't you so-and-so? They're going to ask you, why weren't you you? in all of your true colors, with your truth showing. We don't need to measure ourselves up to anyone but ourselves. When I go to exercise, if I look around and see everyone lifting all these hard weights, and I, I can't do that yet. I'm not there. I would just never come back. I stay in my lane. I look at the mirror and say, Eve, you could do a little more, a little more, a little bit more. And that's how we all need to go through this world. Listen, living authentically is a great gift. It is a gift for you, definitely. And it is a gift for every single person that is in your life. When you live your authentic self, you literally give permission for other women to also live their truest selves. I'm sending so much strength out there to all the women who this resonated with. I see you. I've been there wherever you're on this journey. It should be beautiful. It should be amazing. You should own it. You should embrace it and embrace yourself because there's never been someone exactly like you. And if you need any proof, just look at your fingerprint. There's not one other person in the world that has the same fingerprint as you. Sending lots of love. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.